I'm so glad you're here with us today. This is week four in our series devoted uh, for 2021. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started a, out on an initiative. God had led us to put together a, a permanent facility here in Prattville. And we said, well, you know, it'd be a, we need to be devoted to that and to give financially to that and to be involved with that, to pray about that, because we want to be devoted to the things God wants us to be devoted to, uh, to telling people about Christ and to being a real church and embracing the mission he's given us. And we've talked about those three things again uh, two years later, after the pandemic and a few months away from us being able to get into that building, just to remind ourselves, hey, why have we been doing this? and Where are we going? And the whole idea behind that facility is, is to help us do a better job of being devoted to God. And I want to remind us today, today's message, just to remind each one of us that each one of us need to be devoted to this. It's not just something that the church is devoted to, but it's something that I need to be devoted to because collectively, we're the church. At center point, we don't just go to church. We are the church. We don't just go to church. We are the church. Could we say that together, please? We don't just go to church. We are the church. And when we remind ourselves of that, we go, well, that's right. I mean, that facility is just a place to meet. It's a place to disciple people. It's a place to help people. It's a place to pray, a place to worship, a place to gather, a place to send people out from. And it'll be a place where we can actually park. Anyway, that's, a, that's one of the big blessings. Okay, so, so that's really cool. All right, so, but we want to be devoted, and devoted means this. It means 100% engaged, but I realized as I'd gone through these lessons, we'd never really talked about what engaged means. And engaged means involved. It means busy about completing a task. It means pledged. If I'm engaged in something, man, I'm in it. I'm involved in it. If you engage the services of a plumber at your house, you expect him to be busy about fixing that pipe that's been leaking water all over your kitchen. I've engaged your services, now get busy. Uh, when my wife and I uh, when I proposed to my wife, I proposed to her late one night, and we got together for breakfast the next morning, and by 8 o'clock the next morning, she'd already talked to several of her bridesmaids and secured them for uh, the wedding. She'd already lined up who the organist would be, who was going to do the flowers, and she and her mom had developed a big plan, and I found out that I was thoroughly engaged, okay? <laughs> she was busy about the plan. And that's what you want when you hear a couple that's gotten engaged. Well, oh, that's exciting. Ah, yeah, it's no big deal. What? Wow, well, he's excited about it, not me. What? I mean, when we're engaged, we're involved. Hey, we're headed toward marriage. We want to do this. And that's the spirit that we, I want to have today when we talk about I'm devoted I want to be devoted to our church. Because at Centerpoint, we don't just go to church. We are the church. I want us to be a real church. Church the way it's supposed to be, or as close as we can get there. So I want to pray about that today. Because for that to happen, each one of us has to say, I'm devoted. Not just church is devoted. I'm devoted. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, for us to be a real church, we're going to have to work together. Be unified. Same plan, same focus, pulling together in the harness. And that's why you want us all to be devoted to your mission, to telling people about Jesus, 
to be in a real church. So today, Lord, I pray that you'd remind us of what devotion looks like and why it's so important. Lord, this is a blessing for us. Lord, you want to work in and through each one of us, not just some of us. Father, you are shaping all of us at the same time. It's a miracle. Don't know how you do it, but you do it. And so, Lord, today, I just pray that you would speak and move me out of the way and remind us about why it's so important for us to be devoted to you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, point A on your outline, I mean, if you were going to say, hey, what's the biggest thing about church, the biggest part of our mission, and who we always want to lift up at every worship service? Well, it's Jesus. And so at Centerpoint, we want everyone to be 100% gay, engaged in bringing people to Jesus. And there's a story of four people who brought a friend to Jesus, captured in Mark 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, people heard that he had come home. That was his hometown. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now some men came, bringing, a, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, that little part is highlighted there in your outline, those few words. Can we say those few words together, please? When Jesus saw their faith. Well, then he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So the man got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Well, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. I guess not. Now, I want to make a couple of observations here. There was nothing amazing about what the paralyzed man's four friends did. They were simply faithful in bringing a friend in need to Jesus. There is nothing amazing about picking up a mat, four men, four grown men carrying a paralyzed man. Well, four average men could easily do that. There's nothing amazing about them carrying. There may be something illegal about what they did, and I'm sure that they had to pay for the damage to the roof. But there's nothing amazing about it. The amazing part came because they brought him to Jesus. They were just faithful. And that's the next thing I want to point out. Jesus can do amazing things. When you and I bring a friend in need to Jesus, Jesus can do amazing things. The first thing he told the man before he healed him of his paralysis was, he said, my son, your sins are forgiven. Do you know that if you and I bring people in need to Jesus, Jesus forgives sins? I, I, this is way better news than you were reacting to right there. Do you know that when you and I bring friends in need to Jesus, Jesus can forgive their sins? No matter who they are, no matter what they've done. This is why we want to bring people to Jesus. The whole idea of that building is you got to think of that new facility like a big mat. 
a place where we can bring lots of people to Jesus, people who are bound up in guilt and shame and addictions and fear, built up all kinds of things that are troubling them, some because of horrible things that they've been involved in the past, horrible things might have been done to them. Who knows? The Lord knows. And what a wonderful thing we can bring people to Christ because he can do amazing things. He can restore marriages. He can help people overcome addictions. People can face their fears. They can be forgiven for their sins. Their guilt and their shame can be gone forever because Jesus does amazing things. So when we put up a building, well, hey, is that miraculous to build a facility? No. But if you and I use that facility to bring people to Jesus, Jesus is going to do amazing things there. And when you and I participate, we're going to be able to see the whole thing. Can you imagine being one of those four guys the rest of their lives? Hey, what's something interesting in your life? Well, and his wife goes, oh, here he goes. You're going to hear the whole story now because you're not going to believe this. We had this friend who was paralyzed. Who? Bill. I know Bill. He was paralyzed? Yeah, for years. Couldn't walk. Couldn't even move. Well, how did, what happened? We took him to Jesus. Jesus healed him. It's miraculous. We met the Son of God. We saw it. And they never would have seen it had they not picked up a corner of the mat and brought their friend to Jesus. And by the way, Jesus saw their faith. Jesus knew they brought him. That's why I highlighted it in your outline there. And the reason that I'm going over this is point three here. We don't want anyone in our church to miss out on the wonderful things that Jesus has in store for us. You know, there might have been a fifth guy who was invited. Hey, come on, let's bring this guy to Jesus. Ah, I don't want to get involved in that. Oh, there's too many people. Uh. These guys go, we're not stopping. We're going to get him to Jesus. They didn't miss out. We don't want anyone to miss out. People often ask me, hey, John, what's the best part about being a pastor? I tell them, well, I get a front row seat when God does amazing things. I do. I get a front row seat when he answers prayers. I get a front row seat when he changes lives. I've seen him do it over and over again, and I love it. Paul wrote the Thessalonians about this, 2 Thessalonians 1. So we keep on praying for you. Paul was praying for ordinary people who lived in that city called Thessalonica. So we keep praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. These four friends, their faith prompted them. They had faith that Jesus could heal this man when nobody else could. There was no other solution for his paralysis. Their faith was, we're going to take, him, take you to Jesus. Jesus can do amazing things. Their faith prompted them to do that. And Paul says, we pray the same thing for you. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do because then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you'll be honored along with him. You'll get a front row seat. Man, I don't want you to miss out. People ask me, why do you want people involved in the church so much? Why do you want 100% engagement? Because when you get around Jesus, he not only changes the way we think, he allows us to be involved by being his hands and his feet. He does amazing things in us and through us. And I don't want you to miss out. Now, with all that in mind, I want to tell you a couple of things today. I want to bring up a couple of things today, how each of us can be engaged, 100% engaged in what Jesus is doing, what he wants to do through our church. 
if that building is a big mat that all of us can carry together, then here are a couple of ways we can pick up our corner. First of all, we can be engaged in bringing people to Jesus by giving. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. Paul was collecting a, uh, money for the Christians in Jerusalem. He said, hey, this will be something. When you learn this, this will be generosity. God wants to do this in your life. And so we want people, we brought this ladder out two years ago, and we talked about this. It's just a generosity ladder. And it's a challenge for each one of us to say, hey, if I'm going to be giving and pick up a part of, do my part in this, there's nothing miraculous about giving financially to the church. The miraculous thing comes when we pull all that together, we're able to build a facility. We're able to have a good staff. We're able to have mission projects. We're able to do all kinds of things that can help people when they're in times of need because we pulled our resources together and God blesses that and he can do amazing things with what we give him. Same way he could multiply a little boy's lunch to feed thousands. So there are people who are initial givers. These are people who give the first time. And if you've never given before, I would like to ask you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our church. It's a real way that you can be a part of what the Lord wants to do here. The next step on the ladder, if I'm going to excel, if I'm going to climb up the next step, well, that means that I'd want to be a consistent giver. I don't just give once. I give regularly. I'm going to give regularly to the needs of the church because I want God to use it and bless it. The next step from that is an intentional giver. I'm actually going to budget an amount. This is going to be a budgeted expense. If I'm married, my spouse and I are going to talk about this. This is important to us, just like paying the power bill or the car payment or anything else. We're going to budget money every month. A surrendered giver is somebody who says, I'm going to budget 10%. I'm going to tithe. I want to do that. I prayed about this. And an extravagant giver is someone who gives beyond that and says, no, I think the Lord wants us to do more than that. A couple of years ago, when we started all of this uh, devoted initiative, and my wife and I talked about this. this. The tithing part is what we've been committed to for a long time. That was important to us. I think you would think it's important, too. Since I ask other people to do it, I should do that myself. I think that's always important. But when this uh, whole devoted initiative came along, I was like, well, what can God do? Well, I drive a 2007 Pathfinder, and we, uh, we, what we want to do every time we want to replace a car, we start setting aside money to replace that vehicle. And we said, well, if we're going to give extravagantly, well, then, John, you need to keep driving that car so you can pray my car will keep running. Okay, <laughs> I do, and I like the car, and it's fine, but we're able to take that money and give it to this. This is something we want to do beyond what we would normally give. I'm not suggesting you have to drive a car with 200,000 miles. I'm not suggesting you do exactly what I do at all. I am suggesting, just like what the Lord is challenging me and my wife, what would he challenge you to do? It's a real way we can pick up our corner of the mat and experience what God's doing. Now, a couple of thoughts on giving. I want to make this abundantly clear. Give as you're able, according to how the Lord's blessed you. We don't expect people to all give the same amount. Some can give much, some can give little. The important thing is, can you give what the Lord lays on your heart? Jesus celebrated one time when a woman gave a few pennies because that's all she could afford. The Lord knows. 
Also, you must decide in your, each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. If you feel like this is high pressure, I'm sorry. I'm trying to make it as low pressure as I can. But I am trying to challenge us all to pray about what God would have us give. Prayerfully consider it. I don't want you to feel pressured at all. I do want us each to be challenged. Lord, what would you have me do? Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. This is what I pray for for our church all the time. Oh, I want that. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. There was a couple walking out at the end of the first service at 8 o'clock, and they said, well, just tell everybody that it's true. When you give joyfully, God will take care of everything you need. He said, we prayed about this last year, and we decided, man, we were going to step up, and we were going to be surrendered givers. And and then even give above that. And we just trusted that the Lord showed us how to do it. He said, I've never worked more overtime in my life. And his wife goes, that's an answer to prayer. And they both laughed. They said, yeah, it's an answer to prayer. And they said, on top of that, God has reordered our priorities. It just seems like our money goes further. And so they said, you can count on us. We finished our devoted giving already. The commitment we made, we signed up for another round. Because they want to do it. Remember, devoted is, I'm busy about something I want to do when I'm engaged. When I gave my wife the ring, I wanted to be engaged. I wanted us to be together the rest of our lives. I want to do this. God's leading me this way. And so I hope you'll feel that way when we ask you to give. We want you to see this facility. We want you to see our staff and our budget. We want you to see that all just as a big blanket where we can bring lots of people to Jesus. Oh, we want to bring a lot of people to Jesus. Because he can do amazing things. By the way, we give because God first gave to us. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Lord says, if you seek me, put my kingdom first, I'll take care of everything you need. I, he always goes first. He'll provide for us. third thing I'm going to bring up today is, is that you and I can be a part of what God is doing in and through our church by serving. We can bring people to Jesus by serving. Just as our bodies have many parts, Paul wrote this to the Romans, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We were many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, well, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. God has given you leadership ability. We'll take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. It's the same way. There's another ladder here, just a serving ladder. It's the same principle. Each one of us, if we wanted to excel in this, well, we start somewhere. We start out just helping. I mean, most people do. They, one week we need help breaking down. They say, well, I'll help. Well, there's a special event going on. Hey, I'll come help with that. Great. But from there it goes to, hey, I want to be a ministry volunteer. I don't just want to help one time. I want to help on a regular basis. I want to help stuff bulletins. Or I want to work in the children's ministry once a month. Or I want to be involved in a whole bunch of different capacities here in the life of our church. And what we want you to do is we want you to pray about those things. Where is God, how has God shaped you? What gifts do you have? 
Beyond that, we're just calling this step a servant step. And the idea behind the servant is this, that I'm willing to serve whenever, wherever, and however God needs me. It's not just where I signed up, but it's like, hey, you know, if there's a need for something, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll serve here. And some of you, you know exactly this. You've been stepping up each one of these. Then a ministry leader is, I've been in a connect group for four or five years, and the church has asked me to be a connect group leader, and I'm going to be willing to do it. I've never led a connect group before, but I'm going to do it. I've served as a part of an usher team, but I'm going to be a captain on that usher team, and I'll coordinate those weeks. And then the last step is a missionary. Not only am I willing to serve here, if God opens the door, I'm willing to go. Now look, all of us are on these ladders, on the steps on this ladder. For me, when it came to Centerpoint, well, this was a big step for me 12 years ago. Because this time a year, 12 years ago, I was working at Fraser Methodist, a church with thousands of people involved. And that's when I was approached by some people that had been meeting in a living room here in Prattville and said, would you come be our pastor? And so, they, so I asked them, so you're asking me to leave a church with thousands of people involved, a place where I've been almost 20 years, to come be a part of a church that's been meeting in a living room? And they said yes. And I had challenged all kinds of people, and I was a Fraser Methodist to answer the call, to take up these steps. And guess what? Then it came my turn. And I remember my wife and I talked about it, and she said, well, John, are you willing to go? And I didn't respond right away. That's what I would tell you. I had to pray about it. The answer was, yeah. It was a big step of faith. But, man, God has taught me so much through this whole journey. I'd have missed out on a million lessons. I'd have missed out on a million blessings. And what I'd want you to know is you and I don't have to be afraid. Whatever step we are, if we've been here, what if we said, Lord, with your help, what if we go here? Some thoughts about serving. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Just like with this, not everybody can give the same amount. What can you give? What can you give joyfully? Not everybody can serve in the same way. Where can you serve, and where can you serve joyfully? Because God wants us to be a church where he can... Do whatever he wants to do. And when we grab a hold of this, it's just like those guys carrying the mat. We can use, then he can use us to bring people to Jesus, and he can do amazing things in us and through us. One other thing I want to remind us of, we serve because Christ first served us. Jesus said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, for the last four weeks, I ask you to take out this devoted card that's inside your bulletin this morning. For those of you online, you'll be able to find this at centeringlives.com on our website, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube. Um, but the idea here is that we ask people to be involved in two ways. This is how each one of us could pick up the mat, our corner anyway. First of all, with giving, we're asking people, hey, I affirm my original 2019 devoted commitment. We are finishing up the two-year thing. We've got about three months left. If you say, hey, I'm, I'm good for that. I want to finish that. And then just initial there. We'd just like to know where you are on that. There are other people who have approached us and said, you know, I made a commitment two years ago, but this little thing called a global pandemic happened, 
and interrupted my whole life and other things, and I got behind on that, I'd still like to finish that commitment. Can I have some more time? Sure. Of course you can. This is between you and the Lord. We want you to be giving joyfully. And if that's your plan, then initial on the second line. There are other people, like the couple I mentioned before, they want to increase their devoted commitment. They just put on there, sign me up again, or I want to increase it. God's been so good to me, I want to be a blessing to others. And there are some of us, the fourth line is for people, maybe you weren't even here two years ago. Maybe you're brand new to Centerpoint. And this is an opportunity for you to get in the game. Carefully consider this. If you've never given before, or if you've only given some, from time to time, could you be a consistent giver? Or could you budget that amount and put that in? And even if you give as a couple, um, if you'd still each fill out a card so we can make sure we have your cell phone and email information right, we always want to be in contact with people because our addresses change, and we always want to keep things up to date. The other reason it's important is because not only do we want people to give, and if you give as a couple, you can just write, hey, we give as a couple. You can write that in. We'll, we'll figure that out. But the other part of it is we want each person to volunteer. And so on the serving side of things, we want you to look at this too. There's all kinds of places to serve, the children's ministry, the student ministry, the information team, the baptism team. I mean, the baptism team. We baptized some people this morning right here. And we're going to baptize some people in the next service. Well, that's possible because volunteers came and they set up the baptistry, the little baptism pool, made sure there was warm water in there. It was ready to go. And you go, well, John, there's nothing miraculous about that. No, there's not. But you know what's amazing? When we baptize people, it happens over and over again. We'll baptize somebody, and somebody else will be in the room, and they'll go, I need to be baptized. They'll hear the testimony of a person that's been baptized. They'll talk to them later and go, I want to be baptized. And then the whole family go, you do? And it's like, yes, I want to give, I want everybody to know that I follow Jesus. Running the water in the baptistry and draining it and cleaning it up after it's finished, that's not miraculous. What God can do with it can be absolutely amazing. Well, what if I'm a bulletin stuffer? What's miraculous about that? Nothing. But then I can tell you things. I went to a business and did a devotional, and one of the secretaries uh, came afterward, and she said, John, I want to show you something. We walked into a boardroom, and there were copies of that bulletin insert that you have today. You have one in your bulletin. There was copies of that all around this board table. And I go, what's this? And she goes, well, once a week on a certain day of the week, we have a, a meeting, we have a lunch together, and one of our uh, people walks everybody through part of your outline. We use it every week. Is that okay? And I went, yeah, that's okay. Another time I was uh, preparing to do a funeral, and a man had passed away, and his wife said, I want to show you something. And we walked into the guy's office, and he had a stack of all the bulletin inserts for the last three years. All of them been filled in, written on. He said, John, every week after, this, after my husband came home, he would take your lesson apart. He would look at a different part of it each day and use that as his devotional guide. And he would meditate on it, and he shared it with his friends. And so at his funeral, I carried this big stack of bulletin inserts and this guy, and she said, John, this changed his whole life. It, it, that was his ticket into getting into Bible study. He'd never done that before. There's nothing miraculous about putting a piece of paper in a bulletin. No, but something's miraculous when God can use it that way. Every single thing that we ask you to be involved in here can be used by Jesus. There's even a place called other, because he may be leading you to a place we haven't thought of yet. 
Will you pray about that? I don't want you to miss out. What's the coolest thing that ever happened to you? Well, a few years ago, I took a paralyzed friend of mine, three of us, three other friends and I, we brought him to Jesus, and that man got healed. What's the coolest thing that ever happened to you? I started leading this connect group in our house, and I've never even done anything like that before. I was scared out of my mind. I wouldn't be able to do it. But do you know what? I have, I have seen people's lives change, and God has made me confident in doing this. It's amazing. Oh, I want that story. I want you to have stories. Stories of your own, where your faith was stretched. You saw God do amazing things with what we give him and how we serve. And I want, I want unbelievable stories of his favor on this new facility that we're putting together. Pray for it all the time. I want you to hear from Richard Cables. Richard, come up here for just a minute. Richard's been on our staff for the last couple of years in an office manager position. And uh, Richard, you're going to spend the next couple of months in Peru. Uh, why don't you tell everybody why you're doing that? Sure. Um, man, it brought back so many memories of you going through this. I remember, gosh, I just recently given my life to Christ seven or eight years ago. And I came for a visit here at Centerpoint. And here, now I look back, you know, I'm looking now, seven or eight years later, and what God's about to do in my life. Uh, I'm leaving soon to go down to Peru for about three months to serve as a missionary. I'll be serving the local church there. And I also got this great opportunity to travel within Peru, meeting different pastors and different churches throughout all the different regions, the jungle region, uh, the Andes Mountains and stuff. It's just, man, it's amazing to look. I, I never would have thought this, John, seven or eight years ago when I walked through those doors that I'd be standing here today going, wow, I'm about to be a missionary. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but over the time, God not only led you to our church, but he led you to have a heart for Peru because I think you've been to Peru five times. Yes, sir. Um, back in 2017, Mike Rogers talked me into going to Mexico for the very first time, and I think he just guilted me out of that, but I went. And I had no idea. It changed my life forever. Uh, the very fall of next year, 2018, I had an opportunity to go to Peru, and it was way outside my comfort zone. We, we were going to be doing, you know, market evangelism and, and just things that were so far, but oh, it's, I keep going back. God keeps calling me to go come back to Peru. Yeah, and so you went twice with the church, three times on your own. Now you're going for three months. What would be your desire during these three months that God would show you? What do you hope he'll show you? It's, it's pretty neat. I, I learned a while back that not to, it's almost contradictory, not to have expectations or my expectations on, on what I'm going to be looking for down there. But God, every time I go, God shows me something. Every single time. It, it is, he is so faithful. So I just go with no expectations except knowing that he's going to show me what I need to see down there. So you can see yourself on this ladder, right? I mean, you've been here. Yes, and you've moved up, you were on staff for a while, and now you're even willing to go. Yes, sir. How is that possible? I was thinking about that when you were going through the message here, and, and it's just transformation. It's, it's Christ changing my heart through this whole process, starting at the bottom and working my way up. Now, he's working his way in me and through me. Yeah, and so that's what we're going to pray about today. And by the way, can we have a round of applause for Richard that he's willing to do that? Yeah, good job.
whole idea of center point was this place where we meet, where we started here in Prattville, this would be a center point where people would go out from here. Not just to their houses with connectors and things, but wherever God would send them. Man, that's exciting stuff. So I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to pray that God's going to speak to us about these devoted cards. And pray for Richard, too. But wherever God's calling us, he's not calling all of us to Peru. He's calling Richard to Peru. He's not calling all of us to be a part of the greeter team. Some of us he will. We don't all give the same amount. I am asking us to pray about what can we give joyfully. We're going to pray about that right now. And after we finish praying, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. They'll lead us in a worship song. And as we're singing, if the Lord leads, and once you come up here, there's some containers up here. You can just drop this card off. If you want to take it home and pray about it and say, well, John, I need some, fine, bring it next week. Or you can drop it by the office anytime. But we want 100% engagement. We're all involved. Busy about the things God wants us to do, what he's leading us to do. And excited about it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you that Richard is answering a call to go to Peru. Lord, I think there'll be other people in here that are answering a call to be a part of the prayer team. Or maybe they're, you're calling them to be a connect group leader. Lord, I don't know. I just love it what you've been doing in Richard's life. And I pray that you'll do the same in my life. And every person here, that we wouldn't limit you by what we think we can handle. But Lord, we just allow you to take us up the next step. Father, we thank you for the finances you give us. We thank you for the gifts you give us. We thank you for the abilities you give us. And we want to use all of it for your glory. We don't just go to church. We are the church. And each one of us is called to be devoted. Lord, as I place my hand on Richard's shoulder, Lord, I just pray that you will put your hand on his trip to Peru and you'll show him exactly what you want him doing. Protect him. Guide him. Send your angels before him. Thank you, Lord, for his obedience. And, Lord, I thank you for these containers, and I pray, Lord, that we'd come bringing these cards with joy. I pray, Lord, if we need time to think about it, we wouldn't feel any pressure to turn anything in today at all. We'd take it home and pray about it. And I pray even for the people watching online. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.